Welcome to Civics and Coffee. My name is Alicia and I am a self-professed history nerd. Each week, I'm going to chat about a topic on U.S. history and give you both the highlights and occasionally break down some of the complexities in history and share stories you may not remember learning in high school, all in the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. everyone. You made it to episode two. Congrats. This week, I'm talking about the original colonies. And no, I'm not talking about Plymouth. I know Plymouth gets all the press because of Thanksgiving, but this week, I'm taking it way back to the mysteries surrounding the lost colony of Roanoke and talk about the beginnings of Jamestown. I'm also going to chat about a few of the key players like John Smith and Pocahontas. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you get your history from Disney, prepare yourselves. History isn't as pretty as Walt would like us to believe. So grab your coffee. Let's go. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. Honestly, I think it's because it's a day filled to the brim of stuffing my face, but I'm also aware of the historical implications of the holiday, meant to serve as a celebration for the pilgrims who broke bread with the Native Americans upon their arrival at Plymouth hundreds of years ago. And while Plymouth is a fascinating story in its own right, it would have never happened without its predecessors, Roanoke and Jamestown. These colonies experienced turmoil and hardship and learned lessons without which Plymouth may have never happened. A lot of people have heard of Roanoke if you ever watch the TV series American Horror Story. Unfortunately, American Horror Story, while incredibly creepy and weird, got a few minor details wrong. And by minor, I mean it's complete fiction, okay? Side note, there are a few things I like more than history, and horror is one of them. If you are a fan of horror, check out American Horror Story. You won't be disappointed. But circling back. As I mentioned last episode, the English were not the first to colonize North America. That flag is firmly placed in the Spaniards' camp, with Juan Ponce de Leon surveying and conquering portions of Florida in 1513. The relationship between the Spanish and the English was tense. They were involved in a bitter war between 1585 and 1604, and it is this war that prompted, in part, the exploration and settlement of Roanoke, seen as a perfect location for supporting the English privateers, a fancy word for pirates, and led the English on an endeavor of colonization that would remap the North American landscape. Roanoke is a small island off the coast of modern-day North Carolina. Known for its sandy beaches and lush forests, Roanoke is in a cluster of islands in the Outer Banks, some 30 miles off the coast. It's not a large island, measuring only 8 miles long and 2 miles wide. However, its location was considered a perfect site to provide supplies for English privateers in the ongoing war with Spain. So how was Roanoke chosen? Well, in March 1584, Queen Elizabeth granted Sir Walter Raleigh a charter to explore and colonize territory in the New World, providing a deadline of 1591 to establish his claim. Part of the charter guaranteed Raleigh with profit-sharing from any permanent settlement he was able to establish. Raleigh, who was unable to leave the Queen's side, sent two sea captains, Philip Amatis and Arthur Barlow, to explore a proper site for a permanent settlement. Upon their return, Amatis and Barlow spoke highly not only of the resources of the island, but also of its prime location in providing support to the seamen fighting the Spanish. Upon hearing the report from Amatis and Barlow, Raleigh was convinced there was money to be made and made requests to fund further explorations of the potential colony. Raleigh was able to secure seven ships carrying hundreds of men who set sail on April 9, 1585. As with most voyages across the Atlantic, the fleet experienced issues almost immediately, encountering storms which would separate the fleet and steer three of the ships off course. As a result, only four of the original seven ships arrived on Roanoke and began to make preparations for exploration and settlement. 
As a result of the loss of the extra ships, and therefore extra supplies, a small colony of about 100 settlers were left to begin the Roanoke Colony under the governorship of Ralph Lane. The remaining men would return to England to report the voyage's success and to send additional supplies. Colonizing Roanoke was seen as a bold move. The island was considered solidly within Spanish territory, saying nothing of the indigenous tribes already occupying the land. As a result, the colonists ran into problems at the start. Expecting vast natural resources and gold, and unprepared to do any real work, the settlers were disappointed to find that Roanoke was basically a sandbar and did not naturally contain the vast riches they were looking for. Unable, and unwilling, to plant a sustainable crop, the colonists were relying on a supply ship that never arrived. Near starvation, the colonists turned to the native Secaton tribe for provisions to get them through the long, hard winter. This heavy reliance on an outside food supply during the winter months only increased the animosity between the English and the natives. Looking to get out of the Secaton territory, Governor Lane made attempts to explore other areas, however, was met with resistance from other tribal leaders who, perhaps hearing stories of the colonists and their inability to maintain their end of a bargain, were hesitant of the outsiders, and Lane found he was unable to find a suitable environment to relocate. By the spring of 1586, the remaining colonists, starved, pissed off, and convinced there were no riches to be had, evacuated the Roanoke colony and went back to England. Not to be deterred out of the opportunity to reap unknown profits and unwilling to lose his charter, Raleigh tried colonization of Roanoke again in 1587. This time, the colony was governed by John White and was a mix of single men and families with no military men on the expedition. The group contained just over 100 potential settlers, including White's wife and pregnant daughter. Three ships departed for Roanoke on May 8th and arrived on July 22nd, 1587. Perhaps learning the lessons of the prior settlers, White immediately set about easing the relations with another local tribe, the Croatan. However, he was unsuccessful at developing relationships and securing a truce, and was instead met with silence. Shortly after their arrival, the first English-American was born. Virginia Lane, born August 18, 1587, is considered to be the very first naturally born American. Unfortunately, due to the events of Roanoke, not much else is known about the first daughter of America. Like the Lane Colony in 1585, Governor White realized quickly ongoing supplies were needed and sailed back to England to request said supplies in person in August 1587. However, due to the war with Spain, the ship carrying the necessary supplies was delayed until 1590. Upon his arrival, White found the colony completely deserted, with no sign of where his family or the other settlers may have gone. The houses were empty, all signs of life were missing. The only lasting sign of what may have happened the letter C-R-O carved into a wooden post. So what happened? Were the colonists massacred by the Croatan? Did they evacuate the colony in search of better land? Did they assimilate into local tribal life for survival? Unfortunately, the truth is one of history's great mysteries, and it's why Roanoke is known as the Lost Colony. There is speculation as to what might have happened with differing opinions. Governor White thought the colony had relocated inland, but Sir Walter Raleigh continued to fund rescue missions, claiming he was determined to find survivors. However, it's more likely he was more concerned with losing his claim on the land. Without settlers on Roanoke, Raleigh would miss his 1591 deadline given by the Queen. And while Raleigh was committed to establishing his claim in the New World, the failures of Roanoke would spook the crown and England would wait another decade before making another attempt. With a new century came a new monarch, and just like that, the idea of colonization was back in fashion. 
A new charter was issued on December 20, 1606, and three ships, the Susan Constant, Discovery, and Godspeed, departed towards America, reaching the Chesapeake Bay in May 1607. Like the settlers of Roanoke, the journey to Chesapeake was rough, losing supplies and lives along the way. Upon their arrival, the colonists went about building a fort, called James Fort, in June 1607. The fort would later be changed to Jamestown, and while not the first, Jamestown is known for being the first successful permanent colony in the New World. And while the colonists made a lot of mistakes, the lessons learned in Jamestown allowed for the further colonization of America, including Plymouth, two decades later. For better or worse, Jamestown repeated many of the experiences of prior attempted colonies, including the inability to plant a sustainable crop upon their arrival, the reliance on Native tribes for initial viability, and destroying those relationships quickly, leading to strained relations. Like they say, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Supplies were dwindling fast, and the colonists needed to forge productive partnerships for their survival. Here's where the infamous Captain John Smith comes into play. Smith, seen as one of the sole reasons for Jamestown early survival, partnered with the Chesapeake tribe to find a permanent food source. While John Smith is known for being a courageous explorer and leader of Jamestown, and if you learn your history from Disney movies, the love interest of Pocahontas, the truth is Smith's relationship with the local tribe was one of necessity, and while Smith begrudgingly respected the Chesapeake, he never really trusted their motives. Also, pro tip, don't get your history from a cartoon, okay? You're welcome. Anyway, though testy at best and violent at worst, the Chesapeake tribe, known as the Poetan Confederacy, continued to provide rations to the settlers, ensuring their survival through that first year. And despite believing in the superiority of the English, even John Smith knew they were the colony's sole reason for survival, writing, quote, Had the savages not fed us, we directly had starved, end quote. In an attempt to mend the relationships with their neighbors, the English attempted to incorporate Native Americans into the English colony, crowning the leader of the Chesapeake Poetan as a vassal of King James. And far from his love interest, Pocahontas acted as an emissary for her father Poetan, transmitting messages between the tribe and colony to maintain the peace. Unfortunately, Disney got a few details of Pocahontas's life incorrect. While she was part of a ceremony where John Smith's head was on the proverbial chopping block, many historians believe this death ritual was meant as a ceremonial death, not actual. And like I mentioned before, she did not have a romantic ending living off the land with her tribe, watching with loving eyes as John Smith left for England. She was actually kidnapped and held hostage by settlers, eventually converting to Christianity and changing her name to Rebecca. She married another Englishman, John Rolfe, having a son, and would die young, at just 21, while living in England. And Rolfe is a key player for the colony, as he may have single-handedly saved the idea of colonization for the English by discovering a way to cultivate a cash crop— tobacco in 1614. Tobacco quickly exploded across Europe and required manual labor to cultivate, prompting the importing of slave labor and starting the slave trade. While experiencing hardships and setbacks, Jamestown was eventually successful in bringing commercial success to colonization. While it would fade in influence, it will forever be the colony that started it all. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Civics and Coffee. If you want to hear more small snippets from American history, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to our next cup of coffee together. Mm-hmm.